Welcome back to a new episode of our Gilmore Girls podcast, Coffee with a Shot of Cynicism. Gilmore Girls is the coffee and we're the shot of cynicism. I'm Jeffrey. I'm Eleni. And on today's episode, we're going to be discussing episode six of season three called Take the Devil's Take the Deviled Eggs. You fucked that up already. Yeah. What else is new? Mm-hmm. But before we dive into that, um, we want to talk a, a little bit about Eleni's new workout routine. Oh my god, are we actually talking about that? Uh, yes, because uh, everyone needs to know your workout routine. Oh my god, I thought you were kidding. No, no. Go oh. forth. Tell tell the world about your workouts. Okay, like, it's not a big deal. I don't know why you're making it such a big deal. <laughs> Little shit. Okay, so... Like many people who have been stuck in quarantine, um, I find I'm not being as active as I was before. Obviously, yeah. Obviously. I can't go to the gym anymore. Um, The gym in my building is not opening for a while, which is good because, let's be honest, I don't want disease. But, um, you know, I've had to get creative with my workouts, (laughs) which up until now have consisted of me putting my iPod in and just, like, dancing around my kitchen. But I was like, I need something a little bit more structured now because now I'm feeling heavy. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the other day I was, like, reminiscing about my childhood. And my mom used to have this VHS tape of a home workout um, that my brother and I and our cousins would just put on and, like, try and do the moves and laugh because it came out in 1987. <laughs> so already, you know, the hair and the outfits are amazing <laughs> uh and because of the shit the guy says because yeah, i don't even know how to describe this man you saw the man right yeah he was very uh interesting you should post that video actually anyway whatever we'll post it fine since you're making me talk about it we'll post it <laughs> for those of you who are a little bit older the video you might know it it's called buns of steel oh boy <laughs> buns of steel y'all and I was like, first of all, I put it on for shits and giggles because I, I I can remember just dying of laughter while doing it with my my family, like when we were super young. Yeah. But I was like, oh, maybe a good workout. <laughs> oh, God. So I did it. And? And it didn't end well. <laughs> and I'll tell you why it didn't end well. <laughs> because um, I guess I haven't worked out in a very long time. So my legs were kind of unused to it. And so I did this Sunday. Yesterday, I could not feel my hips. Is that an understatement? Um, yeah. How did I describe it to you? Uh, you described it as if you were leaving a Tinder date. <laughs> I and I was, yes. And I responded, uh, clearly a really good Tinder date if you can barely walk afterwards. And I responded with, I don't know anymore, man, because I'm in a lot of pain. So like, uh, are you feeling those buns of steel now or what? Honestly, I don't even know if that's the part of my body that's supposed to be hurt. <laughs> or if I did something wrong. But it got so bad that yesterday when I was at work, like I got up from my chair to go and like, I think I went to the copier to get something. And I was like, oh, <laughs> and I leaned against the copier. And my, my manager was like, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm good. I'm just going to lean here for a little bit. Just a little bit. I, I, no, yesterday was bad. Yesterday was really bad. And I couldn't obviously walk the way I wanted to walk. <laughs> right. 
So I had to grin and bear it. And then I was like, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> Today is much better. Thank you for asking. Could we maybe allege that the workout tape from 1987 could be a little outdated or? Um, I don't know if it's outdated or if I'm just like not good at it. <laughs> maybe a little bit of both because like I personally think a lot of workouts from the 80s don't really hold up today in terms of like, you know, moving and just at all of it. It's just very random to me. It doesn't look like something I'd want to do to work out. You know what I mean? Well, listen, here's what I'll say about buns of steel. <laughs> um, so the warm up is a little unconventional, like the movements of the warm up. Mm-hmm. Um, the warm up lasts like nine minutes, by the way. That's a fucking workout for me. I'm sorry. It, no, that's that's not even that's that's the truth. Yeah. So the video is like 50 minutes long, by the way. Um, anyways, but yeah, so the, wor- the workout was a little bit unconventional. It lasts about nine minutes. I was like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing with my arms right now. Like, covering <laughs> and fucking sashaying. I don't know. But I have to say, the workout itself, like the bun part of the workout, like, working out my buns. Yes. Um, that looked pretty, like, run-of-the-mill stuff, you know? I yeah. think where it got me is that he's very quick. <laughs> like, one, two, three. And I'm like, but bro, I'm still on one. <laughs> <laughs> Relax. Anyway, so that got me. Um, I don't know if I'm going to be doing it again. I probably should. <laughs> but maybe I should also find something else to do. Yeah, and I had also mentioned to her that um, l- at the last library book sale that I went to at my library, which was last October, and will probably be the last book sale that... For a while. I'll, I'll have gone to for a while. Um, I found, they like, sometimes they'll have, you know, VHS tapes or old CDs that people have also donated that are usually like a dollar each or like 50 cents. And so I found these two VHS tapes of Jane Fonda workouts. And looking back, I probably should have bought them because that would make a good gift for you. Yeah, I'm a little mad at you. Have you seen Jane Fonda's ass? Well, and then she was pretty much the workout queen circa 1985, so I'll give you that one. I mean, bitch is 80, 81, 82. I don't know how old she is, but goddamn. And still getting arrested at protests, so. She's a queen. Yes, go Jane Fonda. Go Lily, go Jane. <laughs> Love you both. Um, Yeah, I wish I'm, like, I hope when I'm their age, I'm that, like, vivacious. But if I can barely get through Buns of Steel, I don't know about that. Mm. You know what? Hold out hope that maybe one day you'll be some kind of version of that. Because, you know, Jane Fonda, a lot of cosmetic surgery went into that. So don't don't compare yourself. Yeah, but you know what? What? I don't even know what. I don't know what either. <laughs> I was going to say something, but I'm like, fuck it. Let's scratch it. Let's move on. <laughs> um, let's talk about the episode. Yes. Episode six. Episode six. Take the deviled eggs. The deviled um, eggs that I want to already throw at Sherry. Okay, relax. We're not there yet. Hold on. Um, why? I just want Sherry to get hit by a bus. Okay. Why? <laughs> we okay. Did we uh, did we not already discuss how much we both kind of hate Sherry in season two? No. You hated Sherry, did you not? No. You were like not completely, you know, on the bandwagon. Okay, so there's a difference between not being on the bandwagon completely and hating the woman and wanting her to get hit by a bus. Okay, well, she's a lot in this episode. It's too I much. Think okay, yes, she is a lot in this episode, and we're definitely going to talk about it. But 
I think my exact words when we were talking about Sherry in season two was, were, not was, were, I don't understand all the hate. Oh, that is right. At this point in the season. You know, I block her out when she doesn't agree with me, so. uh, Oh, that's rude. Um, yeah, okay, she, like, Because let's yes. be honest, in season two, she didn't do anything. She was just dating this guy. Yes, and I do agree. You, I think you also said something to the effect of you think people should redirect their hate for Sherry more to Christopher. Well, yeah, because if there, if one of the two, if you're going to hate one of the two, in season two at least, it should 100% be Christopher. Yeah. Because... He's almost always at fault. Cherry's mm-hmm. only crime is being in a relationship with him. Yeah, and I think the reason why I also we also kind of uh, agreed to not get ahead of ourselves with Sherry because we know that she then ditches her child later, but we're trying to like stay in the present and not listen. Season two and season three, Sherry is worlds away from season five, Sherry. Which we and she's never seen again, so we can't. We don't really ever no. get her, get her her perspective on that. Yeah, but I mean, like, when she's talked about in season five, don't worry, I'll unload. Okay. But for right now, I don't understand the hate. I mean, in this episode, I kind of do. But, I mean, like... I mean, it's not even I kind of do, it's like, I get it, but also I'm like, whoa, relax, slow your roll. Okay, but, like, it's kind of hard, as, you know, as for people who have seen the show several times over, that you don't, you don't, like, judge her in seasons two and three for then, for, like, ditching her child later. Like, you kind of, like, at least the way that I watch it now is, like, I'm looking for, like, little signs that tell me that she wasn't ready for this and was going to, like, run away. Okay, you know what my theory is? But maybe I shouldn't say it. No, just say it. We're already, we're already over there. We're already there. We already went there. My theory is that... Sherry very much wanted a kid, mm-hmm. but not with Christopher. Um, I'm going to need you to elaborate on that. Like, my theory is that Sherry, wa- not, I don't know about very much wanted, but my theory is wanted to be a mother and wanted a kid, but couldn't be one with Christopher. Okay, but then wouldn't you then argue that she could have taken the child and ditched Christopher and not left both of them? Yeah, but I feel like maybe ditching him with the kid was meant to be, um, like, for her, it was more of the fact that I think Christopher's so awful. Yes. (laughs) And, like, to give him a taste of his own medicine, kind of. Okay. She ditched him and was like, here, you take care of the kid now since you haven't been. Yes. Okay, I'll give you that one. But it's also just kind of hard to... It's kind of hard to judge it and kind of hard to get a fully formed opinion because yeah, she's course, never we don't know. because in season five we never see her again. It's all it's all backstory and it's all just explained to us. So like it's hard yeah. to know the real and motives. Then in season seven, if you'll remember, it's the same thing and she wants to be back in Gigi's life. So there's a part of me that's like maybe she just wasn't her best self with Christopher and didn't feel ready to be a mother yet with Christopher. Yeah. And then when she went away and became a better person, maybe. Mm-hmm. By the way, this isn't in no way an excuse. You should never just abandon your child. Yeah. But um, I don't know. But we'll get into that when we come back. When we go for What is the word I'm looking for? When we get there. Jesus Christ. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Hey, no, but I, I agree with that. 
the pain from my hips is just like radiating to my skull. <laughs> All right, then. Well, then uh, we'll keep that in mind as we uh, go forward with this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so aside from, you know, a lot of secondhand embarrassment and cringing at the baby shower, I think as a whole, this episode is a really good episode. I think so, too. Just because, think- like, yeah, the town, ahead. the town, like all comes together in several, like all the characters are kind of working with each other in this episode. I think. So there's three things that I really, really love about this episode. Tell me. I will. I don't need your permission. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so one is that the town dynamic is in full swing. Yeah. It's like Star's Hollow quirkiness at its best. Mm-hmm. Which I love. Number two, the dynamic between Jess and Luke. Yes. Is so on point. Mm-hmm. And it's so hilarious to see scenes with the two of them and just kind of see similarities between them. They're so similar. Like, it's They're so, so fucking similar. Yeah, and it's so cute. It is. And you only really get to see those moments when they're alone. Yeah. Um, and so I really love that aspect of it. And then number three is... Um, the dynamic between Lorelai and Rory in this episode is also really great. Agreed. So everything from the way Lorelai tells Rory that she should never not speak to her father because of her. Mm-hmm. Um, going to when Rory's like, you know, I always have your back when Sherry upsets her. Yeah. Um, the bonding moment at the end will forever be my favorite Gilmore mother-daughter bonding moment. Yeah. Um, just the whole scene was impeccably done. Yes. And so I have to say, this might be one of my favorite episodes of season three. Okay, yeah, I was gonna say definitely one of the best episodes of season three. I wouldn't, I wouldn't go so far to say it's one of the best of the whole show, but it's definitely. Oh, but I think like it's up there because season three for me might maybe be one of the best seasons. Okay. Um, maybe I said we'll get into it. Well, <laughs> <laughs> we'll see where I stand when we're discussing season four. Um, but I think in terms of like what we fell in love with about the show, yeah, the quirkiness, the wittiness, the dynamic, the relationship, like all that stuff, I think it's peak Gilmore Girls. Yeah, it's kind of this episode to me in terms of Star's Hollow quirkiness is kind of akin to the 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 episode in season one with the cat funeral. Yes. So I think I think they're like we're still early enough into the show that we are still getting to know the characters and their quirkiness. Cause like I said to you, the, like the first two times that I watched Gilmore Girls, it was like seasons one to three, at least were like this big inside joke that I wasn't getting yet. And only, mm-hmm. only since watching the show a bunch more, to, a bunch of more times have I gotten in on the joke. So I think, yeah. I think at this point in season three and in the whole show, we're still, we're still like learning that joke. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, yeah, I just think this episode is so good. <laughs> so one of my favorite parts of the beginning of the episode is how the entire town hypes up Miss Patty for her date. Yeah, so the entire town essentially acts as a wingman, wingwoman. Yeah, they're all like, ooh. <laughs> ooh, Jesus. <laughs> like, first of all, can we just applaud Miss Patty for picking up a man at a funeral? Literally, only Miss Patty could do that. Like, on any other person, I'd be like, ew, tacky. Miss Patty, I'm like, yeah, so on brand. <laughs> It's Chatty Patty. Oh, no, stop. No, we're, we're, never, we're never going to forget that. I thought we'd moved away from that. I'm never moving away from it. Oh, fine. Um, yeah, so, but 
So let's talk about the town meeting. I really want to talk about the town meeting. Okay. Um, because Taylor, so you had posted something on Twitter, I think a couple of weeks ago. It was like a few months ago now. It was when I was, it was when I was rewatching season three in preparation for our, our podcast. Was it a few months ago? Yeah, I was really bored. I think it was in May. It was like, you know, quarantine is just like one big bubble of boredom at this point. Yeah. So I don't remember when it was. All the days jumbled together. Yeah, but this episode was hands down the episode that inspired my tweet of... Okay, uh, perfect. ...was the tweet that said Taylor Dosey 100% would have been an, a Trump supporter. Yeah, so you said that. And then this week when I'm watching this, I was like, I wonder if this was the episode. <laughs> because... um. So there's two things. Taylor wants to put spikes on top of lamps so that birds get shish kebobbed when they land. Yeah, which is like... (laughs) Shish kebobbed, really. And then number two is he thinks that protesting goes against democracy. I believe the direct quote is protesting is un-American. Yes, there we go. So Taylor Dosey 100% would have voted for, for Donald Trump. Okay, so first of all, protesting is un-American. That's a line straight from Fox News. Yep. Okay? Yes. And I did, as I'm watching this episode, I, I was like, I kept pausing it because I kept saying to myself, this is such a relevant time to be watching this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, to see the parallels between, like, because for me, in my mind... Amy Sherman Palladino, when she was, or whoever it was that was writing this, was like, let's make a mockery of, like, the Republican Party. Oh, for sure. And be like, let's take it to the extreme and be like, protesting is unmarried. And now it's, like, the reality that we're living in. Mm-hmm. Um, Democracy is built on protest. And I think in 2002, like, the whole Fox News culture was still very new. Yeah. So I think looking back now... Taylor Dosey 100% was watching Fox News then, and he's 100% watching Fox News now. Yeah. Oh, now guaranteed. Um, but I think, like, we have to remember the time that this came out in, though. It's, like, 2002. It's a year after 9-11. Yeah. Um, the world is feeling very uncertain about uh, George W. Bush. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um... I think it's clear that Amy Sherman Palladino is a Democrat through and through. <laughs> from her writing and her characters. Um, so for me, I'm just like picturing Amy Sherman Palladino being like, we're going to take shots at Republicans every fucking time. Yeah, because she's very good at like, she's very good at like subtle pokes. Subtle jabs. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. If you remember last episode where the in the opening scene, Lorelai said, um, I think I'm in touch with the other side. And Roy was like, and Roy was like, Republican. <laughs> yeah. So it's like little jabs like that throughout the show. And I think in the in the earlier season, she was maybe too afraid. Mm-hmm. Not too afraid, but I mean, it's still a, it's still an, a new show. So she's like, maybe not. Let's not get too political. Yeah, and also like the world was very different in the fall of two thousand compared to the fall of two thousand and two. Yeah, know? absolutely, everything changed, right? So um, I think the I think the reason why I like season three too is also because she gets more bold in her writing. Yeah. And her choices for her characters, but that's besides the point. Anyways, choices. Choices, Tatiana. Um, so definitely Taylor Dosey is a fucking horrible person. 
Yes, and not to go on, not to go off on too much of a tangent, but since you mentioned George W. Bush, there has been a lot of rhetoric recently on social media about how how much people are saying we should have appreciated Bush because he's he was so much better in oh. comparison to Trump, and it's like no, I have a no, problem. Let's not go down that road. Let's not look under that rock because Bush was terrible, and the Bush years were was not a good time for anybody. So let's not let's really not compare ourselves to that. So here's what I usually say when people say that. I think the biggest tragedy of the Trump administration, by far, by the way, is that it's made us forget how terrible the Bush years were. Oh, yeah. Um, Like, Bush was not a good president, you guys. (laughs) No. Policies destroyed people. And, um, if you, and if you still don't agree, go back on YouTube and search the music video for Dear Mr. President by Pink and rewatch it again because you clearly missed the message. In okay, well, I wasn't going to go there. But I mean, like, it's not. Uh, yeah, like, I don't under, I don't like it when people say that. No. And I tend to always, like, check them a little bit very politely. Say, like, yo, I know what's happening now is disastrous, but we can never forget where the disaster, um, I'm not even going to say started, because I can argue that his father was a dick, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, pff, fuck you, Reagan. Oh, yes. Um, and if you don't know why I'm saying fuck you, Reagan, AIDS epidemic, anyone? Yeah. Among other things, by the way. But so, um, yeah, now that you mentioned it, that's what I usually just, I usually just check people and say, um, you should really read up on what happened during the Bush years. And um, anybody who says that is kind of the same kind of person who would say, oh, life was so much simpler in the 50s. Uh, <laughs> for whom? For who? Black people? Uh, gay yeah. people? Any minority? That's right. Well, that's- it, was only, it was only white people in diners in the 50s. Sorry, you want to go back to that? Jesus. Well, that's, that's kind of um, the thought process behind Make America Great Again, right? Ugh. And you're like, make it great to when? When was it great? Oh, it was great in the 50s for white people. Yeah. You know? So, like, um, all I have to say about that is just know, know, know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. And I don't even know if that's the phrase I'm looking for. It's just, like, it really pisses me off. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know most of it is not intentionally, like, they're not doing it out of malice, right, when they no. say that? Um, Most of the time, no. I mean, there's probably some, like, actual Bush supporters who still like him and still think, like, oh, he was better than this. Yeah, for sure. I get it. But, I mean, um, you know, it's just, it it hits a nerve. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But I can, by the way, also, if if you don't know about Dick Cheney, Hmm. um, you should look into that (laughs) and how he influenced a lot of the decisions. And was the architect for a lot of the decisions. Also, wasn't fuck, there also, you, fuck was, you, Luke Cheney, okay? <laughs> wasn't there also a reference on Gilmore Girls to George Bush and Dick Cheney? Yes, several. Yes, okay. Several, several. So Amy Sherman-Palladino knows exactly what she was doing. Yeah, Amy Sherman-Palladino, I would argue, has always been on the right side of history. Yes, especially now looking back all these years later. Yeah, for sure. Um, uh, in conclusion, but also Taylor Dosey, Trump supporter. Exactly. Um, okay. So, excuse me, that was my bottle, for those of you wondering. I should not cap my bottle, but anyways, it's done now. Um, okay, so 
Are we going to talk about what do you want to talk about first? I'm sorry. Um, should we talk about how it's funny how Boston looks exactly like Stars Hollow? And that New York episode? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, it's funny how all three look like a set in the WB in Los Angeles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. But should, should we talk about Jess and his car first? Um, yeah, we can talk about Jess and his car. So my favorite, I mean, you already mentioned that the dynamic between Luke and Jess is, you know, A-plus in this episode. My favorite favorite quote, and I wrote down many because this episode has so many good quotes. This episode is amazing with the quotes. That's what I I say when I mean it's such a good episode. Exactly. But I think the best out of all of them, I would argue, is, Jess, are you a gigolo? That's the best fucking quote of the fucking show. Because, like, if he was a gigolo, I'd call. Okay, well. (laughs) <laughs> we went in a different direction but I mean I'd see it though like he I'm not gonna say it would work and they would do a storyline no, with Jess as a be ju- honest from his from his description I go to a place that gives me money for my services <laughs> yeah can you blame Luke for jumping to Gigolo no come on that was the worst description of a job ever <laughs> it applies to every job but also no jobs so do you think that Jess is, or not Jess, do you think that um, the whole town is angry with Jess having a car just because he totaled Rory's in season two? Um, I don't know if the whole town is, but I think it's definitely one of, listen, we get the impression from Stars Hollow, they really stick to their guns. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think going off the same theme that we were talking about last time where Rory's like the princess of Stars Hollow. Yes. I think maybe most of them are angry at the fact that now he has a car when he wrecked one not so long ago. I will say, though, um, Lane's little rant (laughs) towards Jess. Um, I'm happy that she has her friends back. But it also makes me kind of ugh at the fact that, once again, people are speaking for Rory. And she, but she lets it happen though. I feel like it's. I feel like we could talk until we're blue in the face about how everyone always loves perfect little Rory, but like Rory never really like Rory is a not. I'm not gonna say she's a grown woman at this point, but she's like a she big grows. girl. Yeah. And she can fight her own battles, but she never like she does fight her own battles, but like she's also doesn't know how to separate herself from what other people think of her. Yeah, but here's the thing. I don't think this was a battle that she even wanted to fight. No, but then she's like, just get your car and go. Like, uh, no one was, he was not arguing with you. You started this. Yeah, I know. But then it became a thing of like, well, he's, Lane started it, but then Jess like kind of engaged. So she's defending Lane and she's still kind of mad at Jess for not dating. You know what I mean? Like, it's a whole teenage thing. Mm-hmm. But like, it's just, it's, she didn't even seem bothered by the car. No. And then Lane makes a big deal about it. And then it's like she had to engage. Yeah. I don't know. It was weird. <laughs> um, but yeah, this is the ugliest fucking car I've ever seen. That's what, that's, that's what Walmart money buys you. Well, I mean, it gets you from point A to point B. That's fine. <laughs> but splurge on a paint job. I think literally everyone is just dancing around the fact that like Rory and Rory and Jess have so much chemistry and it's like the same kind of situation that goes on with Luke and Lorelai where it's like just kiss already. Yeah. It's the same kind of thing. It's like, "Oh my god, just like kiss and b- bounce on the bed already." But is that what you think? 
I mean, in ter- if we're, we're going to, like, separate... Um, is that what you think in terms of, like, that's what the whole town is thinking? Not the whole town. I'd say for sure that Lane thinks. I think subconsciously Lane probably knows. Really? I would, I would argue that because Lane is not, like... She's not shocked when it happens, so... I mean, I don't know if she's not shocked when it happens because she knows how Jess feels. Or yes. it's because of what... I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's, it's moments that I wish we'd had. Just for my own personal curiosity, by the way. <laughs> not because they bring anything to the show, but it's just for my own personal curiosity. Um, you know, seeing the reactions of people. Yeah. Depending on, like, depending on the context of, like, when they found out. Exactly. But it's also, it's, like, little things throughout the show. I think I've said it before. There are always certain moments that I wish we'd had. Yeah. Uh, this being one of them. But I do love Rory's line of, oh, by the way, you left your bra on the back seat. <laughs> yes. You can tell he's mucho embarrassed by that. <laughs> Um, okay, let's talk about the main event. But bef- wait, one last quote before we do. Okay, th- This quote comes from Kirk, who says, Man, I wish my mom would let me have a car, or a bike, bike. Or-, or my roller skates back. Poor Kirk. He's a grown, he's like a grown man. You're a grown-ass <laughs> man, just fucking get your bike, or your whatever. You've had so many jobs, fucking get your bike back. <laughs> your, I mean, your roller skates or buy a like. What is it? What are you waiting for? Poor Kirk. Poor Bumby. Thank <laughs> God for him. So let's dive into the baby shower. Let's dive into this baby shower. So before the baby shower, Rory gets an invitation to said baby shower, and um, it opens up the whole can of worms of Does Sherry know that we're not speaking to Christopher? And then Rory lets slip that, well, she is kind of speaking to Christopher. Because she doesn't totally hate her father yet at this point. Yeah, and here's the thing. I kind of get it. So, yeah, sure. You know, you're, no matter how mad you are at your parents, they're still your parents, right? Yeah. Um, and Rory's always been shy, sensitive Rory. And I don't know. I don't know about you, but I, I always got the impression that she wanted her father in her life. So yeah. I don't think it's as easy right now to let go. No. Because she's also still so young, right? Mm-hmm. Later when she goes to college, it's different. But right now, it's still it's still new. <laughs> and her father is still her father. I mean, she she did have that moment in episode two where she's like, go be somebody else's dad. So It's a very heartbreaking line now that we're talking about it, by the way. Yes. Um... Yeah, that kind of wrecked me, that line. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but I think Rory's really gracious about the whole thing, by the way. I know we're not talking about that right now, but, you know, when, when Gigi does come and eventually l- later down the line, I think Rory handles it with a lot of grace. Um, so whatever, Lorelai's like, oh, you are speaking to him, and they get into the conversation of, you know, Lorelai saying, I never want you to shut out your dad because of me you can always have a relationship with him yada 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 the -hmm. saying that we've heard her say a lot um which i said before and i'll say again is very big of lorelei yeah because she could be very petty and be like no um because we do know she has that petty side to her right yeah there are very rare moments where lorelei is a mature responsible adult 
Well, yeah, you said it. Um, <laughs> so, um, anyways, that leads to Rory saying that she does want to go to the baby shower. Yes. And thus ensues the world's worst baby shower. Men to go to baby showers. Have you ever been to a baby shower, by the way? I know sometimes they do Jack and Jill's. No, and that's a big issue for me in terms of, like, this ridiculous gendered ritual surrounding babies and marriage. Okay, elaborate. Like, when I say heterosexual nonsense, like, this is pretty much... Oh, this is what you mean? Like, yes. Okay. Like, if we're going to go by definition, yes, because it's just very... It's people, like, even though there's so many, like, liberal, open-minded people who will say such intelligent, educated things, they'll still love The Bachelor. They'll still have these ridiculous baby showers or bridal showers where it's only the girls. And it's like, do not realize that this is not progressing society forward, at least in my opinion. Yeah, I also don't think it's that deep, though. It's not. And my mom tells me that all the time, which is, like, what gets me, which is what gets me angry. But, like, I don't know. Just because it just it kind of like excludes people who maybe don't fit into these gendered boxes and yeah, and that's the part I agree with you um, on. Um, I definitely see how somebody could be could feel excluded. Yeah, because like what? Just because I'm a boy, you assume I don't want to come to your baby shower, or you assume that because you're a girl, you don't want to come to the bachelor party? Yes, don't come to the bachelor party. But listen, Jeffrey, I don't think anyone assumes just because you're a boy, you don't want to go to a baby shower. I think people assume that you hate babies, and that's why you don't want to go to a baby shower. Okay, um, I feel very attacked. I feel very attacked right now. Shut up. (laughs) But yes, go on. I didn't come on this podcast to be confronted with the truth okay yes you did uh, <laughs> just like in general though i just i find that no, I know what you're saying it's not like it's you're you're 100 right it's not that deep in terms of you assume i don't want to come because i'm a boy like I, I i know that sounds a bit more a bit harsher than it actually is but in turn but it just it kind of chips away at a central issue of like you put people in gendered boxes and assume what they like and what they don't like based on what's between their legs yes absolutely that i agree with you with um, and I, I've been to bridal showers and baby showers, by the way, not my cup of tea. Obviously not. And if, and if like you invited me to a baby shower like this, I would 100% not go. But both also, by the way, can I just say not my cup of tea? Because, um, it depends on the baby shower or bridal shower. Like, you know, the ones where they make you play games. Like this one? Like this one. Yeah. Fuck that shit. <laughs> I went, but my, I, I threw my sister-in-law a bridal shower mm-hmm. and that was fun because it was just pretty much like eating and dancing and like, we played a game, but it was like, we didn't force people to play the game. It was, we're like, who is more likely to this or that? You know what I mean? Yeah. It wasn't like audience participation shit, but, um, I know what you're saying about the the gendered stuff because yeah it is weird to assume that this person will not like a certain activity. Yes, because they're a girl. And like it's one and again you're right it is not that deep but like it, on the other hand it is because as soon as like you're in a heterosexual dominion you assume that men like that like you there's automatically assumed behaviors for men and women as soon as men and women are put together. Right. And it's no, like I get what you're saying. I know where you're coming from too. Um, 
I just don't think when, when as somebody who was planned the bridal shower, mm-hmm. I don't know. I think it's more to like when we're planning it, it's more to do because it's all oh, it's tradition. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I'll tell you about a ritual that you're probably going to hate that we do. Um, yeah, no, you're going to hate it. Uh, <laughs> I already know. Um, and by the way, I didn't know about this until my sister-in-law and my brother got married. My mom was the one who told us about it. And uh, she said it jokingly, and it became a thing. (laughs) Is this a Greek tradition? Yeah, it's a Greek tradition. So um, you're supposed to basically, basically the women are supposed to go over to the bride's house. Mm -hmm. The future bride's house, whatever, it's before the wedding. And they're supposed to make the bed, like the marital bed. Uh Uh-huh. He's like, nope. <laughs> He's like, I'm out. I'm out. I, I don't like what's coming. Yeah, so they ma- we make the marital bed, like, with fresh sheets. Okay. And then the babies of the family, so literally my niece and, um, like, my sister-in-law's niece. Yeah. Like, will jump on the bed so okay. that, like, you can have a fruitful marriage. I'm confused. What do you mean? How what? is this confusing? <laughs> the the child, do like the children jumping on the bed symbolize something? Yeah, the children. It's like so that you're you can have children, but traditionally it's supposed to be male children. That's extremely disturbing. Yeah, so it's supposed to be male children that jump on the bed so that you could have boys. Okay, that's uh, don't so ever do that. Misogyny, obviously. <laughs> but um. My mom joked, I remember my mom joking about it, and then we're like, oh, it'd be, it wasn't like, oh, it'd be good to go do the bed so that they could have a lot of kids. It was more of like, before the wedding happens and we've all been so stressed, mm-hmm. it would be good to have like a get together where we can kind of relax and poke fun at the fact that this is what women did way back then, you know? Okay, yeah, that, that I, that I can see. No, listen, that I can see. So we did do it and it was funny. Like the kids were jumping on the bed, they freaking loved it. Also, you throw money on the bed. That's okay. I see. If you're, if you're making fun of like a really old, outdated tradition, I mean, I personally, I thought it was more of a thing. Like the women came. First of all, it, it, it gave some people a chance to see the house who hadn't seen the house yet. Okay. Like my sister-in-law, and my brother's house, um, and it was also like a kind of mingling of the families. Mm-hmm. So like my aunt, who had never met my sister-in-law's aunt, got to meet and talk and whatever. You know what I mean? Um, and also it was like a fun opportunity for the kids to just jump on a bed. Like it's the first time your parents are going to say, yeah, yeah, go jump on the bed. Yeah. But the tradition itself is like crazy sexist. Oh yes, for sure. Like, the women are going to go make your bed and then we're going to have a boy placed on it so that you could have only boys. Exactly. As if boys are the only, are the only kind of child worth, ha- worth having. And you know what? It was really funny because my brother was like, so my sister-in-law has, um, she has her niece, she has two nieces and three nephews. Mm-hmm. And her nephew had like just been born in August, I believe. Beginning yeah. uh, mid-August and the wedding was uh, September 7th. So we're like, oh, perfect. We have the baby. We'll put him on the bed, right? My brother was like, please, God, I know like you want to put all the kids on the bed. It's fine. But just so my grandmother can see the boy, only the boy on the bed. Just put the boys on the bed, and then when she leaves, let the kids do whatever they want. Because <laughs> oh, no. my grandmother very much subscribes to the idea of, like, boys are best. 
Ugh. And she wants, she, she told my brother once, like, she told Vanessa, well, my sister-in-law once, she told her, like, I hope you have five kids and they're all boys. Ugh. With me standing right there, by the way. Yeah. Um, so, uh, obviously, if I'm, I, I can imagine people listening to this, like, in horror right now. <laughs> Honestly, there's a, there's a lot of really weird rituals and traditions that yeah. are much worse than this, so. That's true, but I mean, this is pretty bad. <laughs> um, honestly, I love my grandmother for sure. She really does piss me off when she, say sh- when she says shit like this. <laughs> um, but um, where was I going with this? Long pause. Yeah, long pause. We should just name the podcast that. Long pause. No, I mean, I get what you're saying about gender. Like, this, the thing that this, that the women have to go and make the bed, mm-hmm. uh, the women do play games and the boys go out drinking kind of thing, you know? Yeah. Uh, I get it. I get what you're saying. And, like, obviously there are instances where, the, where there are brides and grooms who don't want to do either of those things, so they do their own thing. That's also fine. Like, I'm not, I don't take issue necessarily with, like, bridal showers and bachelor parties or, like, it's just more or less the kind of sexist um, exclusionary activities slash rituals, traditions, et cetera, that go along with those parties that a lot of people feel like strictly, I don't know, obliged to perform. And it's like, what, just because your mother and grandmother and great grandmother did them too. It's like, uh, you don't, if that's not, if that's not you, you don't have to do like, you know what I mean? It's kind of just like all, I'm not gonna say all girls, but it's like a lot of, white women I guess (laughs) um here's the thing also that I just want to say um even though it's not you yeah I think a lot of these things are rooted in tradition and if you're the type of person that values tradition either because you value tradition for yourself or because it's a great way for you you think it's a good way for you to honor your parents Mm -hmm. um which I think is the case in my brother's like, I think, I think to a certain extent, tradition is very important to my brother, but also, like, I think for him, it's a good way to honor his parents and his grandparents. Yeah. Um, like, you can do it even though you don't fucking agree, right? Yeah, I guess. I mean, it still sucks sometimes, but, like, like I had never heard of this bed thing, and I told my mom flat out, I was like, if, if I ever get married, there's no way in hell we're doing this, no matter how much the women in my family beg. Yeah. But see, my sister-in-law is very, very nice and very, very gracious. And she was like, yeah, come on over. <laughs> mm-hmm. The poor girl didn't have 800 other things to think about, like, two days before her wedding. Yeah. My sister-in-law is the best, by the way. <laughs> who, is avid, who is an avid listener and fan of our podcast? Oh, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she definitely listens, but she listens sporadically. Okay. Uh, she does love Gilmore Girls. Um yeah, so I, I uh, all this conversation to say I understand what you're saying. Um, I also don't like the fact that things are so gendered. Yeah. Um, but can we say very progressive of Sherry to reject the green, uh, to reject the pink is for girls thing. Yeah, and like just. But he con- did assign another color for girls. Yeah, but like just in, but like just in conclusion to uh, what I was saying about these these rituals and traditions being like put in gendered boxes it's not like i wouldn't go so far as to say is that like i don't value tradition but no, like no no that's not what i no, was getting at. no I no and, and i knew you weren't saying that but it's okay. like 
Um, so I wouldn't say that I don't value tradition. However, on the other hand, as this podcast's um, resident raging homosexual, I would say that historically tradition tends to exclude or erase uh, the gays. So yeah. if a tradition or ritual is just a lot of um, heterosexual nonsense, I will typically uh, not engage. There you go. <laughs> And that 100% is your right and prerogative. But also green, that's a terrible green color. Those, all know, those gifts are hideous. They were really awkwardly green, right? And like, I understand, but like, you see, but you can reject the blue-green um, binary all you want, but blue-green, did I say blue-green? Yeah, you said blue-green. <laughs> you can reject the blue-pink binary all you want, but... Um, it, by picking green, you're still then assigning someone a color. So exactly. that's what I was getting at. I was like, oh yeah, you're rejecting pink, and then I was like, because when you see the 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 green balloons the first time, mm-hmm. you're like, oh, number one, she probably doesn't know what she's having, and then when she's like, oh, green, I'm like, oh, how very progressive of you, and then she's like, no, green is the new pink, and you're like, oh, okay, so you're still, it's the same bullshit. You're just switching the color. Exactly. Yeah. Um. Okay, so fucking awkward baby shower. Her friends are very awkward. Her friends are the worst. I hate Sherry's <laughs> friends. Yeah, um, very like one note. And they've all like, n- they're all like not ever, I can't even speak. They're, they're all, you know, not mothers. They don't know what it's like. They're just like, oh, baby, blah. Like you have no, like they have no idea what to say or what to do. They just, they just think it's like some kind of party, which it, it is, but... I mean, it is, but yeah, I know, I get it. Um, yeah, and the game's, again, hilarious, but also unnecessary. Like, I would say in terms of, like, the games are obviously ridiculous, but if if that's the kind of baby shower you're going for, you kind of have to, you know, brace yourself for that before you get there. Listen, you have to have... Partly, like, I think she knew her audience kind of thing. Yeah. They all seemed very into it. And they're all drunk. Yeah, well, that too. But hats off to them. They had fun. Great. Um, Not my cup of tea, but if that's your cup of tea, no problem. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the conversation happened. The conversation. The conversation. (laughs) The conversation that... I was like, Sherry, I was on the Sherry train, and then I'm like, oh, Sherry, no. <laughs> no, Sherry, no. <laughs> so number one, it's immediately clear that Christopher hasn't told Sherry anything. Yeah. Um, Which, like, are we surprised? Because Christopher is a coward, so. Yeah, num- yeah, no, I'm not surprised. Um, and then you also... I I got I personally got a glimpse into how self-restrained Lorelai is. Oh yes. Because it would have she could have easily have burst Sherry's bubble by saying, Hey, your man was with me. <laughs> like being a petty bitch, you know what I mean? But I don't really strut obviously, yes. We're we're we are both petty bitches, I would say, right? So damn petty. <laughs> um, but like in terms of the Lorelai Gilmore in this episode, I feel like she's had her mature her mature girl pants on, so she kind of was polite and restrained herself because yeah, so let's talk about the conversation itself. So essentially Sherry is saying, um, thanking her 
for, I don't know, giving her a changed man. Like, I don't even know what she was getting at. Which is kind of gross, because, like, change your own man or, like, find a better one. Yeah, for, okay. I think we have to stop this this narrative that women need to change men. Oh, of course. Like, change, like, better them. Yeah. Like, it's, it's a narrative that plays out a lot. Yes. In, in pop culture. Of, like, oh, he was a bad boy when I found him, but now he's so good to me. Like, you deserve better than exactly. to, like, chip away at his personality and build it back up. Like, find what someone is- who find someone who you don't have to put so much effort into changing them. But that's it. Find somebody who's already a good person. Yeah. You know? And who, or if they, I don't know if good person is the right word. But you know what, I, you know what I'm getting at, right? Yeah. This, this narrative of, like, women need to be the better ones in the relationship the relationship, and push that bettering along for men. Exactly. I don't even know if what I'm saying makes sense anymore. No, I understand. Okay, good. Thank God. Um, but, yeah, like, she's telling her, thank you so much for, like, I don't know what you said to him. You knocked some sense into him. He came back a changed man. He's so involved with his child. Yeah, like, that's that's the bare minimum, like, being involved with your child. Why? Why are women settling for the bare minimum? That's the real question. Oh, my God, he talks to my belly. <laughs> Bitch, he impregnated you. You have <laughs> to carry this for nine months and squeeze it out. <laughs> the least he could do is rub your feet. <laughs> Did she lie, ladies? Did did she lie, ladies and gentlemen? Where is, is the there lie? Any lies told here? Where is the lie? No, but I just I'm I'm. Why are so many women attracted to Christopher? <laughs> That's essentially what I'm getting at, everyone. Audience members, if you if you or someone you know has been infected by a Christopher, please give give us the. What am I trying to say? Please contact I don't know what us. What you're trying to say, but. <laughs> Please contact us, and we'll we'll attempt to guide them towards the light. Yeah, I will. I will definitely knock some sense into them. I don't know. So this that that whole thing bothered me in particular. This this idea of here are these two women, these two independent, hardworking. Like Sherry works for L'Oreal. She's doing campaigns. Lorelai is a badass, running an inn, like, has been independent since 16. And you're both putting effort into a man who, like, couldn't afford a dictionary. (laughs) Oh, it's so true. And, like, skipped sex ed because he doesn't know how to wear a condom. (laughs) Like, I don't understand. I don't get it. And yet, Lorelai runs back to him from Luke. Oh, God. Anyways, um, and then the other part that was a little bit weird for me was it must have been so hard for Lorelai to hear all the things that Christopher is doing this time around. Mm-hmm. When the first time around, she was alone. Oh, yeah. So I think all in all, good job, Lorelai, for not karate chopping somebody in the throat. Mm-hmm. She showed a remarkable amount of restraint in this episode. I think so. For as much as we say that Lorelai can be very childish, she was very mature in this episode. She really was. Um, I mean, it was a little immature to rearrange her medicine cabinet, but... 
honestly, I forgot that Rory that Rory says later that she went back in and fixed it all because I thought like Lorelai just messed it up and left. And I'm like, um, in theory, I would do that to, to someone's bathroom, but then she would chicken out and put it back before I oh, left. Oh, I would chicken out hard. Do you so, ever look at people's medicine cabinets, by the way? Not really. Like, I find people do that in, in TV shows and movies all the time. Like, I don't usually, because I don't really care. But that's the thing. I see it a lot when, like, people go into other people's houses in uh, television shows and movies. Yeah. I just say to myself, I've never had the urge to do that. And honestly, like, if you, if you come you. to... <laughs> and honestly if you come to my house which you have um yeah. <laughs> the only real bathroom you're going to be using is like the one either in the living room or if we're in the basement the one in the basement and those are half baths which don't have cabinets so it's like uh snoop all you want all we've got is my mom's excessive decorations so but even then like i've never felt the urge to snoop <laughs> no me neither because i'm like uh i don't in a medicine cabinet i should say <laughs> maybe i won't like what i'll find like yeah. Oh, thanks. Maybe you're on like an anti-malarial drug, and I'm like putting myself in harm's way. I don't know. I was gonna say like an antipsychotic, but. Oh, okay. Well, I went <laughs> different direction. <laughs> um. Okay, and then the last scene of the episode, where they devil egg Jess's car. Well, actually, that's not the last scene. I mean, it's the last scene of importance. Okay. Because we're, we're also going to have to discuss the poor protester. Yeah, of course. But, I mean, whatever. The last scene that night, shall we say. Okay. So they devil egg Jess's car. And this is the part where I say um, that the mother-daughter dynamic is really shining through. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of those moments where I feel like if you're not close with your mom, it's one of those moments that you watch and you're like, oh, I can never do that with my mom. I know. And it makes you, like... It's like wishful thinking on your part, you know? Yeah. I mean, there are definitely some moments throughout all of the show where I'm like, I see myself, I see myself and my mom in uh, Lorelai and Rory. And I'm not going to say this is one of them, but like in terms of just kind of taking out, our, taking out both of our angers on something, I kind of, I can see it a little bit. Yeah. No, I get it. Uh, Jess is not happy, needless to say. But I have a question in terms of what Rory's angry about. Like, is Rory angry that Jess has a new car after he... I don't don't think Rory's angry at anything. Yeah, I don't... Because I'm going to say, like, Laura... Is she just doing this, like, to help her mom? Because, like... I literally think she's just doing it to cheer up her mother. Because, like, Lorelai is... And Lorelai. Rory is remarkably calm throughout all this baby shower, all of this, like my dad has a new girlfriend with a new baby business. Like she's not, doesn't really seem to be phased by it at this point. So. I think if Rory's upset at anything, it's upset that her mom is not feeling well. Yeah. I think it's upset on her mother's behalf. I think there is some angst and and tension between her and Jess. And she's like, I hate him because he's so pretty. I'm going to throw a deviled egg in his car. All right. Um, yeah, I don't think she's actually mad, though, at no. Jess. I think it's just, like, there's the car. Here are these deviled eggs that this devil woman made us take. <laughs> and my mother wants to do something crazy, like rearrange a cabinet. She's probably going to want to throw some shit at these, at this car. Yeah. Well, let's do it. You know Although what I mean? I have, yeah. Although I have to say my favorite part of this episode is Lorelai and Rory making the screeching noises themselves. Yeah, I know. That was fucking hilarious. It's like they try so hard to get the car to do it. It's like, 
we'll, we'll just make we'll just make it ourselves. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like. <laughs> yeah. No, that was really funny. And then the last thing is the protest. That poor protester. I really want to know what he had to say. <laughs> like, imagine. Pro- what are you protesting in Service Hollow? Imagine, like, making such a huge paper scroll and then having it go down backwards and then rip. And then you like, yelling the shit outside. Like, what was he saying? Poor Bubby, I want to know. <laughs> like, was he really protesting Ragu? Like, I want to know. No, he wasn't protesting Ragu because what the fuck? I ever suggested that you're an idiot. I mean, ragu is a, is gross, so I would protest it. Okay, but you know, <laughs> um, no, I know, but like every time I watch that fucking episode, I'm just I want to know. Although that was the me, th- this was the scene that inspired a meme that we that we shared uh, about a month ago during the Black Lives Matter protests about, and it was the this, this, the the protester with the scroll, and the scroll said Black Lives Matter. Yes. So well, I, mean, I guess. One good thing came out of it. So maybe he was saying Black Lives Matter. Maybe he was super ahead of his time. And he was, was only like, one there are no only... black people in Stars Hollow. Exactly. And as far as we know, there was only one black person. And it was Michelle. So. But he doesn't even live in Stars Hollow. True. So uh, no black people. The fuck? Is <laughs> <was> Ohio? <laughs> it's a depressing realization. Seriously. Um, but we've said it before, this show is not representative of the world today. It is not. Uh, in terms of race and ethnicity. Aside from the Korean representation, which is, like, nice, but still the bare minimum. I mean, you know what I, I was thinking about this the other day? It's the bare minimum, it's stereotypical, and it's also, like, a little bit degrading that we don't know Mrs. Kim's real name. For sure. And we also, I mean... We get more intel on Mr. Kim in the revival, but still, like... But I feel like they only put it in there as a joke because everyone was saying, where's Mr. Kim? Exactly. And, like, it's really sad if you go on, like, Emily Kuroda's Wikipedia page. She is most known for playing Mrs. Kim for seven seasons. You couldn't throw the lady a fucking first name. I know. Oh, whatever. Okay, so that's besides the point. Um, <laughs> Anything else you wanted to say for this episode? I think that's it. I had one thing I wanted to say. Not for the episode, but something just to close out the show. Tell me. Okay. So, um, I think everyone thinks that this Black Lives Matter movement is done. Just because the media is not covering these protests anymore. Mm-hmm. But they're still in full swing. Mm-hmm. And things have not changed. <laughs> no. Um, So my plea to everybody is to still be as engaged as you can. If you can safely go to a protest, safely go to a protest. If you want to sign petitions, if you want to um, stage something, like whatever way you feel is informative and can engage people. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I'd like to highlight something this week. So, um, Brianna Taylor, yes, her killers, her murderers, because she was murdered, are still free. And so, to all our American friends, you can call the Attorney General of Kentucky. His name is Daniel Cameron. You can call him or email his office, 
and you can demand justice for Breonna Taylor, who was murdered in her bed. Okay, so the number is 502-696-5300. You can, it's option one, because I've done it. You can call and you can say it's fucking ridiculous that her murderers still have jobs, are still being paid, and are still on the street. The woman was shot in her bed. Okay? <laughs> so, um, yeah. And if you are, if you're not sure what to do, um, if you're not feeling safe because of Corona, so you don't necessarily want to go out to a protest, it's understandable. Know that there's hundreds of petitions that you can still sign. Um, I feel like getting informed is a really good way to engage. Um, and also just shutting down ignorant talk. Yes. Right, Jeffrey? Agreed. How many times have we heard some bullshit and we're like, um, no. Yeah. And I'll also say it's like really gross how uh, Breonna Taylor's murder, Taylor, um, Taylor's murder was made into a meme yeah. pretty much by the collective internet. So, so I think we, fa- I think we failed her on that one. Yeah. It's not a joke. She's a human being with a family that is still grieving and it's making it harder. Um, this whole thing is just making it harder. <laughs> okay. So I want us to go just as hard for Breonna Taylor as we did for George Floyd, as we did for, you know, uh, Mike Brown, as we did for Trayvon Martin. All these people deserve attention. Okay. Um, So once again, number 502-696-5300. It could be something simple as why haven't you arrested them yet? What is the holdup? What do you intend to do about it? Um, There's templates on the Internet that you can copy if you don't want to come up with your own message because I know it could be intimidating but um yeah that's all I had to say for that how about yo bitch do your job yeah that's also a good one <laughs> um so yeah you can do that anything else Jeffrey um I also want to just say that uh in preparation for season three of this podcast we received a lot of messages about um what our discussion of episode seven is going to look like and mm-hmm. um can I just say, uh, please make sure your seatbelts are securely fastened because we're going there next week. Next week is the week, everyone. The Dance Marathon. The Dance Marathon. It's getting its own episode and everything. So you better be here. Yes. Friday, be here. Friday, 8, 7 central on the CW. No, I'm just kidding. No. Fucking post at midnight. That's how I do it. <laughs> For all the European listeners. Yes. Um... So that's it. Thank you guys so much for listening. And we will see you next week. Bye.